Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're just a few days away from kickoff, and it's time for our Week 13 Bears-Giants preview show. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me preview this week's game, I'm joined by my fellow Bears brother, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I want to know, how's it going? How's your week? It's going great. It was a shorter week because I had a snow day on Monday. I'm not going to work tomorrow. My girlfriend's in town, so it's been a pretty good week so far, and we still got a whole weekend to go. Wow. It seems like you have your priorities in order. Oh, of course. You know, uh, I only get to see the girlfriend once a month, so I think a day off of work is well worth it. I tend to agree with you. So good stuff <laughs> there, Nick. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well this week. We haven't really talked uh, since Thanksgiving, like through uh, here on the podcast. So I'm really glad to reconnect with you. But are you ready to go ahead and begin this week's game preview? Let's do it. All right. Now, before we break it down into the different sides of the ball, like we typically do, I have a big picture question that I want to kind of kick this episode off with. And I want to know, Nick, which side of the ball do you think is going to benefit the most from this 10-day break in between uh, the games? Uh, Because we had 10 days and earlier we had three games in a 12-day stretch. So obviously this break is going to benefit this team. But if you had to choose offense or defense, which side do you think is going to get the little extra benefit? I have to go with the offense, especially hearing the news today that Chase Daniel is most likely going to be the starter for the second straight week. And look, he was, it was a short day. It was 85 hours from Sunday night to that Thursday Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions, and Chase Daniel was starting. So he didn't have much time to prepare with the normal starters. So I think having that extra time, this mini bye week, um, is going to benefit Daniel. Because now you get actually get those practice reps with your wide receivers. So that's why maybe the timing that was off in that first game against Detroit, maybe it's going to be a little bit more spot on in this one. So for a defense that's been playing lights out all season, has that continuity, Vic Fangio, and a lot of the key guys been on this defense for a while now, I think you definitely have to go with the offense that has so many new pieces and now another, well, not another, but a backup quarterback that has to start for the second consecutive week. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. The offense is going to get a big boost because heading into the Detroit game, the only thing Chase Daniel was able to do was go through a few walkthroughs. He didn't even get a full practice under his belt. Uh, So for him to have a whole week to prepare should definitely help uh, this offense kind of click maybe a little bit more efficiently than they were against Detroit. But even then, I'm not going to say the defense is going to benefit more, but we need to like 
acknowledge the benefits that they're going to have too, because they were gassed in the second half of that Thanksgiving game on that short week uh, with a lot of missed tackles in particular against the run. And on top of that too, we should get Aaron Lynch back this week, which he should be a great benefit from our pass rush, that rotation outside linebacker. So for the bears defense to kind of get some rest as well, uh, they should be able to have no problem. I'm getting way ahead of ourselves in the preview show, Mm -hmm. but they really shouldn't have any problem this week uh, with a bigger game kind of looming ahead uh, next week in week 14 against the Rams. But, are you ready to kind of move on here? We're going to start with the defense if you're ready. Yes, I'm just going to scroll to my defensive side of the notes and we'll be good to go. I knew you were going to have it the other way. And I just love keeping you on your toes, as you know, each and every week. But like we said, the Bears defense, they had some time to rest up. And now they're going to be going toe-to-toe against the New York Giants offense that ranks 20th in yards and 22nd in points scored. And the reason why I want to begin our defensive discussion is because I really want to get to that rookie running back, Saquon Barkley. On the year, he's fourth in the NFL with 829 yards in the ground, and the dual-purpose back has over 500 receiving yards this season. Uh, that puts him at a roughly, what, 1,300 total yards in 11 games, which is a phenomenal start to your NFL career. He has over four, 140 yards and multiple touchdowns in his last two games, so he's kind of picking up steam as we kind of roll along here through the season. Now, obviously, the Bears' defense, this is going to be a test for him. But let's not forget just how good our run defense is as well. Second in the NFL, only 80 yards per game allowed, and also tied for the fewest yards per carry allowed at 3.6. So, Nick, over to you. What challenges do you expect Barkley kind of presenting our defense this week? Yeah, so I think Saquon Barkley is arguably the best running back that the Bears have faced all season, outside of probably David Johnson in week three, but that was Arizona. That was a bad football team, a good football player in David Johnson. But Saquon Barkley... Although he's a rookie, he's a complete back. He he can do it all from running between the tackles to making moves in open space, trucking people, jumping over people, whatever uh, you want a running back Saquon Barkley has. And you see why the Giants took him where they took him. But this is a game where the one thing about this Bears defense that has reared its ugly head in multiple games this season is missed tackles. You cannot have missed tackles against Saquon Barkley. So that's the biggest thing with him. He can make people miss. He can truck whatever way he can do it. He can definitely make defenders miss. So for the Bears defense, they have to stay disciplined, whether it's pursuing when a run's going left because he has the capability to cut it back inside and take it the other way. Saquon Barkley can do it all. So the Bears got to be very disciplined and have to wrap up in tackle. So it's going to be big on all the defense and especially those linebackers. Yeah, no, absolutely. In order to uh, win this game, we're going to have to find a way to contain them, which is a very you know tough task to ask of any defense. But I do believe we have the guys in the field to go ahead and get it done. But you had a very good point, and that's that the Bears need to do uh, whatever's needed. And I think you hit on those points of being disciplined and wrapping up um, to limit those yards after contact because if the Bears don't limit yards after contact and is able to give up those and allow – Barkley to bust out a bunch of big gains, we're going to be in trouble. Um, so how are some ways that you would expect uh, Vic Fangio to kind of limit Barkley in terms of scheme schematically? Well, I think you have to have one of those two linebackers here, Danny Trevathan or Roquan Smith, kind of, it, not almost like a quarterback spy would be, but you got to have one of those guys locating Barkley at all times because he's a guy that if you lose him for a second, and whatever play it may be, a screen pass, which they ran last week against the Eagles. They were able to score a touchdown in the red zone with Barkley. The linebackers just got confused of where he was at. And if that's uh, a way that the Giants want to get him going, you got to have someone watching him at all times. And I'm sure, look, that's going to be a priority for the entire defense. I think 
Adrian Amos said in an article uh, by the Sun in the Sun Times today that he was the best running back on the planet, and he was in college at Penn State. So he was recognizing that when that was happening. So this is a guy at any moment in time can burst through and make a you know huge gain happen. So Vic Fangio again, it might just be look Roquan wherever uh, Saquon Barkley goes, you need to be right there with them. And this will actually be a, a matchup that they uh, they've actually played before. It was in the Tax Slayer Bowl in 2016. Uh, Roquan Smith actually got injured in that game, a wrist injury, but they have played. Georgia won that game, just uh let you guys know that. But they have faced each other. So Roquan Smith, it's not won't be the first time, but Saquon Barkley's definitely gotten better since 2016. Now you talked about uh Adrian Amos, who of course went to Penn State as well, so knows Barkley a little bit more than maybe some of the other Bears, but you mentioned him, and I have him in my notes too because I anticipate uh, with the Giants' lack of a deep passing game outside of Odell Beckham Jr., you might not need two deep safeties in this game, which uh, Adrian Amos being your bigger uh, run-stuffing safety, he might be able to play in the box a little bit more than we've seen so far this season to kind of limit uh, some of those bigger gains that you're going to see from Barkley. And on top of that, you hit it. My X Factor here is going to be Roquan Smith's range and open field tackling against him. And, I'm, and yeah, so you hit on all the great points. I really don't want to kind of hit on them twice. So let's move right on along. And the other playmaker that we need to worry about, and I just mentioned, Odell Beckham Jr., eighth in the NFL with 73 catches, ranks 10th in receiving yards with 1,017. And again, this is perhaps the only true test that the Bears are going to have on defense this week outside of Barkley. And the last week against the Eagles, Beckham, he was held without a touchdown. Um, yeah, last week against the Eagles, uh, Beckham was held without a touchdown or 100 yards for the first time in five games. So obviously the Eagles found a way to get it done, and I believe the Bears with our strong secondary can too. Um, but Nick, you know, obviously we have some great players in this secondary, hoping a few of these can get into the Pro Bowl. You better give your votes out to Bears fans if you haven't yet. Um, but on top of that, we've been able to limit talented wideouts all year long. You know, it, it's not like each week you go without going up against a top talent wideout. There's usually one in every team for the most part. Um, but still, how do you expect the Bears to fare against Odell Beckham on Sunday? You know, I think they just got to keep doing what Vic Fangio has been scheming all season. Um, it's been said that, you know, his cover three is not your traditional cover three where Eddie Jackson's really the focal point and how they played. It's a little bit different because of him. They're able to do a little bit uh, different things in terms of their coverage, roll it one way or another because of Eddie Jackson, just roaming. He, he could just roam wherever he wants and he's capable of getting to one side, sideline to sideline pretty effortlessly. And that's why he's having the season that he is. So and, yes, they have Odell, but I don't think you have to mirror him with like a Kyle Fuller or anything because, well, look, the Bears haven't done that for any uh, top-tier wide receiver that's coming to Chicago or for an opponent that week. So I don't expect them to ever do that. Wherever Odell lines up, Prince Mukamura, Kyle Fuller will be the guy going against him on that given play. So, again, Vic Fangio has been doing a great job all season limiting, you know, these – I guess, star wideouts and even going to last season when the bears only won five games, they still were pretty good at limiting those, you know, top tier wide receivers to, you know, all right numbers. So just keep doing what they're doing. Eddie Jackson's back there. He's an all pro safety right now. I think they're in good hands. And like you said, most likely Adrian Amos, just because of Saquon Barkley is going to be down the box. You're going to have to rely on a Kyle Fuller, a Eddie Jackson to really do their jobs and they've been doing it all season so I have all faith that they're just going to be able to do their job in this game against the Giants where I'm concerned I guess I should say it's going to be with Odell Beckham with his deep threat ability and that big time play capability that he brings to the table is going to be the Bears playing off of him a ton 
and say he's on Prince Mukamura's side, because that's the side I'm probably a little bit more worried about than a Kyle Fuller. How many times have we seen teams carve up this defense with a Mukamara in coverage underneath, and then they bust out, you know, break some tackles and get some bigger gains due to that? Does that concern you as much as me? Yeah, I mean that is concerning. And remember, Prince of Mukamara had he was dealing with some kind of injury last uh, last Thursday in that Detroit Lions game, so he had to come out a few plays. So we haven't seen him on the injury report, I don't think. So that's a good sign that he's getting healthy, getting to where he needs to be. But that is definitely a concern. And you mentioned it; the Giants do have that capability of getting that big play. They're actually tied for tenth in the league with. 55 explosive plays. And like I said, that's 10th in the league. So even though they only have what seems like Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley, they're still getting those explosive plays. One of the better teams in the NFL at doing so. So like you said, with those underneath routes, it comes back to tackling. So it doesn't matter whether it's your linebackers or your cornerbacks. They got to make that wrap up tackle uh, where the catch is being caught at, not, you know, 10 yards afterwards, because that's where you can get in trouble. Yeah, and it's not just going to be quick hitches and curls, too, because what I've watched from the Giants offense, they will run, especially with Odell, a lot of quick shallow crosses and hopefully to stretch the defense horizontally. And when he, usually he has success against corners, gaining separation and then having the space to turn up field and make a play after the catch. So for the Bears, if they can limit those underneath throws as well as the ones deep, which I guess sounds like common sense each and every week in the NFL. But regardless, with Odell Beckham Jr., to try to limit him as much as possible is going to be a big key in this game. But outside of him, Nick, uh, I'm having a hard time finding anyone else to kind of worry or focus on. Do you have any names that you want to kind of bring up here? You know, I think Sterling Shepard's a guy that is still not being utilized properly. He's a good, I think he's a good receiver, but you look at the stats right now, 48 receptions, 610 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, good, but it's not really something to, that makes me overly worried. It's obviously Odell. Go ahead, Will. I was going to say he's had under 40 yards in his last four games. He's been unable to eclipse the 40 yard mark in the last month. Yeah, and I think that it's still, I think Pat Shermer's offense is still trying to find its identity. Obviously, they want to give the ball to Saquon Barkley, but there's still been points throughout their entire season where it's just like, why is this working? This is also a guy that comes out through the, you know, the Andy Reid coaching tree. So a guy that you would expect maybe some good things to happen, and they did good things with the Minnesota Vikings last season. It just hasn't quite translated yet for the New York Giants. And so I think that's where um, being in a, you know, him being a, not a first year head coach, but the head coach of the Giants this season, they're still trying to figure things out. And that's why, you know, here in Chicago, we have benefited from Matt and Nagy and the offense just kind of taking off to where it has. So, yeah. And I know this question was, who else do we have to look out for? I mean, there really isn't much. And we don't even know if their tight end, Evan Ingram, is actually going to play in this game on Sunday. I don't think he practiced today. And usually when you don't practice Thursday and Friday, that's not a good indication that that player is going to play on Sunday. Right. So that's a big question. Although their backup tight end, uh, Red Ellison, he did set a bunch of career highs against the Eagles last week. Granted, he didn't have glorious career highs and you know originally. Uh, <laughs> but still, I'm not concerned. Uh, the Bears have done a great job of limiting tight ends all season long. So he doesn't, Ellison does not really scare me whatsoever as well. But here's something I noticed. They don't have a true nor an effective slot receiver, which puts Bryce Callahan in a very intriguing situation because how would you deploy him? Because even if they don't run a lot of three wide receiver sets, I would still like to. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm. 
in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Have Bryce on the field. He is a great open field tackler. Um, he's a great coverage. You know, I mean, he's a slot corner, but he's great in coverage. Um, he's very tough against the run. He can play, you know, up in the box. Do you potentially put him on a tight end or even Barkley coming out of the backfield? You know what? I'm actually going the opposite direction. If they don't, let's say the Giants are not a team that likes to utilize that slot receiver, and you know Saquon Barkley's going to be in there. Throw in another D lineman. Just make it that much harder to run in between the tackles. If you can take that away from the Giants offense, uh, if you hold Saquon Barkley under 80 yards, uh, which has happened six times this season for the Giants, the Giants have lost five times when Saquon Barkley doesn't eat uh, reach 80 rushing yards. So maybe that's an option because you don't because most most likely. Uh, defenses like to use that nickel package and because it's a pass happy league. But if that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised to see another defensive lineman in there. We've seen what Bilal Nichols can do in, you know, short uh, time and his, you know, uh, scarce opportunities able to make plays. So maybe that's an option for him, but I think the defense overall is just better when you have a Bryce Callahan. So I think he'll be out there and expect some more nickel blitzes because teams have not figured that out yet this season. I'm not complaining, but like my reason behind this in terms of potentially covering Barkley out of the backfield, which is a little bit unorthodox, is because he is the team's third leading receiver this year. So if you're looking at, you know, I think Bryce has the speed to keep up with him. Um, of course, the coverage ability as well. So I don't know, just an idea I wanted to throw out there. Obviously, you brought up a good point, too, of limiting him on the ground by bringing in some extra bigger bodies on the field as well, because the Giants offensive line is not really strong at the point of attack. It's all been Barkley so far this year for them. Uh, so I agree with that assessment as well. But real quickly, let's look at Eli Manning. Uh, he has six touchdowns in his last three games, um, but he's been prone to turn over the ball so far this year, and he did have a very costly interception against the Eagles a week ago. And to be fair, though, he did have five touchdowns against the uh, Buccaneers and the 49ers combined. I just want to throw in that Trubisky had five against Tampa Bay in one half. Uh, <laughs> so... Maybe that's not as great of a stat as it kind of sounds like on paper. Like, oh, yeah, five touchdowns in two weeks. But then you take in consideration uh, the talent level there between San Francisco and Tampa Bay. Um, but do you have any expectations that we, we, or anything you want to mention about Manning so far this year? Because at this age of his career, when it seems like his time in New York's kind of coming to a close and three and eight, I don't really see him posing much of a threat. No, but when I was looking at the numbers, his stats, I thought they would be worse. To be completely honest, 3,093 yards, 14 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I'm like, wow, I'm surprised he hasn't reached double-digit intercept because it's, it's Eli Manning. You know what he's done. You know, the past couple of seasons now, he's just, look, it's a guy that's not very mobile. And under that that Giants offensive line, especially that right side, you get through that. Eli Manning's going down without a fight. And yes, like you mentioned, there are times where he just throws that risky interception. And I think that's what's going to happen in this game. But honestly, I'm not too worried uh, with Eli Manning, especially playing against this Bears secondary, because like I said, they've been playing lights out all season. So I'm not really too concerned when you have a guy like Odell Beckham, it definitely makes your job a lot easier. But in terms of what he brings, I guess, athletically, no, not really, because I know the Bears pass rush is going to be present. And if you get after Eli, it's pretty much over and done with from there. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about that offensive line because um, I mentioned in my interview with uh, Matt Lombardo earlier this week, uh, that unit is PFF's third worst pass blocking unit. 
Uh, they've given up 38 sacks, 170 pressures on the year. And obviously, um, just hearing those numbers is enough to me to kind of start licking my chops, visualizing kind of like what havoc the Bears front seven kind of kind of, uh, what wreaked this week. Um, to put it in a, I guess, in a rhyming term, but uh, regardless, uh, Nick, I want to know, looking at some of these matchups across the board, you talked about the right side of the offensive line. That's what I have highlighted too. Um, which one do you like the most? Oh, man. Right guard, Jamon Brown. That guy. If Look, so here's a key thing, though. Keem Hicks did not practice today with an Achilles injury. Correct. But I will still take a battered and injured Akeem Hicks to just wreak havoc on poor Jamon Brown right now. I was just watching that tape from last week against the Eagles, and even prior to that, the guy isn't very good. Let's just be – I'm being brutally honest. Uh, just seeing what he was not able to do at times and what you've seen Akeem Hicks do all season where he's able to just put a spin move, use the power, get into the backfield just without any kind of resistance. It's it's going to be a long, long day for that right side of the offensive line for the Giants. Um, and it definitely helps if Akeem Hicks is healthy. But Jamon Brown, if you want to put a Cleo Mack on that side as well or switch it up, put Leonard Floyd on some stunts, Whatever you need to do, whatever Vic Fangio here wants to do, he'll be able to do it in this game for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Brown, he's a journeyman. Uh, the Rams cut him on like Halloween. Giants picked him up uh, because they had some injuries up front. And yeah, since then, he's only played 173 snaps in which he's already allowed uh, a handful of pressures, a couple of sacks. And I don't even think he's faced anyone of uh, an Akeem Hicks caliber yet. And he's still struggled. So like you said, even if Akeem is uh, dealing with an Achilles, he should be able to find a way to make an impact going up against Brown. And then even the right tackle. And this is the reason why we're kind of highlighting this side of the line. Uh, Chet Wheeler, he has allowed 30 pressures and three sacks this year. He struggled all year long. So honestly, Khalil Mack on him one-on-one. And again, they're not going to do that. They're going to chip him. They're going to double team. They're going to try to triple team Khalil Mack. Um, just go after him, though. If, if they have to hold tight ends in there to chip on them or even Barkley to chip on them. You just limit that already limited offense that much more. So again, it doesn't matter if it's Khalil Mack or Leonard Floyd and Aaron Lynch, that right side coming off the edge, the bears should be able to find success all game long. And even coming off the left side, you know, Nate soldier, he's been fine over the last few weeks, but he started this season uh, very roughly had uh, struggled early on this year. He has played better as of late, but still he's someone who's been prone to uh, be giving up a ton of pressures this year. So the Bears, again, off both edges and across the right guard, it's not looking so well for the Giants. And even then, their center, eh, I, I give Eddie Goldman yeah. the edge. And again, the Bears front seven makes every week look promising, no matter who yeah. you're going up against. But the Giants uh, giving up 38 sacks, which is like, oh, I think it's like second most, third most, if I had a guess out there in the league. Yeah, they shouldn't have, and they should not have any issue whatsoever uh, dominating that in terms of the pass rush, which is a big reason why stopping Barkley's key. Because if they can establish a run, uh, you know, kind of set the the tone up front, uh, generate some push, and the Bears have to kind of worry about is Barkley going to get the ball? Is Eli dropping back? Make him think. That's going to help the Giants more than it's going to, you know, obviously help the Bears. So for me. Uh, stopping Barkley is key because then he can let that pass rush do what they do best, and that's just go after quarterbacks. And I'll say this: the pass rush did not have its best game on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Look, they, they are tired. coming off. They were tired. They were, but none of those guys had a sack. It was all it was Roquan Smith and Deion Bush were the guys with sacks in that game. So this is a time where you can revamp that pass rush, get it going again, because we we all know we've we, you even talked about it well in the beginning. 
we're looking forward to that Sunday night matchup. I know we're not supposed to overlook about everyone's thinking it, but this is a good opportunity for the Bears pass rush to get back into the fix of things. Do it against an inferior opponent, especially that right side of the line. My goodness, I cannot wait to see what those Bears defenders do to that right side of the line and just get after it. Get after Eli. Take him out of the game early. But this is a good chance for them to kind of get back to where they were. I think what the Bears have 30-something sacks on. See, the, the Giants are giving up 38, second most in the NFL. They're going to have their opportunities to get Eli Manning. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you talked about Akeem Hicks and Achilles just briefly. Uh, but when you're talking about their tight end, you're like, oh, he didn't practice today, so that's not a good sign. But True. you're confident that Akeem Hicks uh, is going to be okay with the Achilles because seeing him on an injury report on the DNP for both Wednesday and now today on Thursday, I'm s- slightly concerned, slightly kind of uh, weary about his status. Yeah, it's definitely concerning. Uh, knowing Akeem Hicks, he's going to he's gonna try and fight through uh, whatever he's dealing with. Obviously, it's that Achilles, but... Again, I trust this Bears coaching staff, this this medical staff, to make the right decision, not allow a player that really wants to play kind of do worse to that injury because it's not just against the Giants they need to be worried about. It's all the rest of the games for this season and then the postseason as well. Absolutely. Is there anything else in your notes either about the, the Giants offense or the Bears defense that you kind of want to bring up? You know, I will say this. Uh, last week they played the Eagles. That is a very, very depleted secondary. So there were some wide open wide receivers for the Giants. That is not going to happen against the Bears. This is not a depleted secondary. This is one of the best in the NFL. So you're seeing uh, Eli Manning connect with you know his receivers, tight ends, Saquon Barkley, whatever it may be. But you got to think that that Eagle secondary has been battled with injuries all season long, just losing some of their best players. So that could definitely factor into how Eli Manning is going to play in this matchup. And I also noticed, uh, just like the Bears, they were going for two as well. I know they did on their first time, but they didn't convert it. Well, actually, the Bears didn't convert one of them as well with Chase Daniels. So there you go. Um, But yeah, like I said, there are just guys wide open in that game for the Giants uh, offensive players. Don't think that's going to be uh, an issue come this Sunday against the Bears defense. All right, really good stuff there, Nick. And now it's time to go ahead and find out who has the edge this week. Uh, so I broke it up. I gave myself two for the defense. Nick, you're going to have two for the offense to kind of accommodate for Brandon's absence tonight. Uh, to kick things off, I'll go ahead and begin uh, with the Bears pass rush uh, versus, versus that Giants pass protection. And since I got two, um, I took one of the easier ones, I would say. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, we're going to give the Bears the definite edge here uh, for all the reasons that we talked about a few minutes ago. Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks. Of course, Bilal Nichols as well. And Aaron Lynch getting back healthy in rotation should all help this Bears pass rush. And I even talked about um, their ability to kind of be effective with the blitz whenever they want to dial that up as well this year. So for the Giants offensive line that, even though they found a um, a starting five that has been better than previous iterations of it this season, uh, the Bears should still have no problem whatsoever generating a pass rush all game long as long as they can stop the run. It all begins there. Um, which goes right over to Nick because you have the Bears run defense versus that Giants ground game led by Saquon Barkley. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Bears run defense. Look, the Bears have only given up over 80 yards rushing twice this season. Or 80-yard rusher, sorry, 80-yard rusher twice this season. One was last week against Garrett Blunt, and then the other one was Frank Gore in Miami. The other times hasn't happened. So I'm going to go with this Bears rushing defense. Obviously, this will be the best test for them against Saquon Barkley. Even though he's a rookie, he doesn't play like a rookie. But I'm definitely going to give it to this Bears rush defense that has so many playmakers and a lot of uh, you know guys that will just flow to the ball. 
And when you have Roquan Smith, Dan Trevathan, I feel pretty confident in the Bears rushing defense. I have to give you the question, though. Over, under for 100 rushing yards for Barkley? I think it's going to be under. I think the Bears can put him away early, and you're going to have to abandon the rushing game and just kind of go resort to the pass. He, he'll he get over 100 yards, all total yards, but I don't think he gets to that 100 uh, you know, rushing yards unless he is able to break a you know a long run there, which you hope he doesn't. He's definitely capable of it, but you hope he doesn't. No, you're right. We hope that does not happen this week. So I have the Bears secondary versus that Giants passing attack. And, well, it's pretty simple. We talked about it. It's just Odell Beckham Jr. And outside of him, uh, Saquon Barkley is the third leading receiver. Um, Shepard has been pretty much non-existent over the past month. Shouldn't really pose any of the Bears cornerbacks really much of a test. So the big one's going to be Beckham. And if we can stop him, we stop the rest. Uh, and on top of that, I believe the Bears are not going to give Eli a ton of time to throw. Uh, so the Bears secondary is going to have the edge here. I think they're the more talented group, um, no matter which way you want to splice it. So for me, an easy one here, giving it to the Bears secondary. All right, Nick, over to you. I want to know who's going to be your X factor for the Bears defense this week. You know what? I'm going to give it to Eddie Jackson. I think that Eli Manning, his go-to target when it comes to wide receivers is Odell Beckham. And obviously Kyle Fuller, Prince Mugamar are going to play a big factor in limiting what he can do this game, but it's going to be ultimately Eddie Jackson and just w- the way he can go from sideline to sideline, cover that deep part of the field. That's going to be a huge part in this game. If you let the giants get over top of you, that opens things you know wide open to what this giants offense can do. But you have a guy like Eddie Jackson roaming around the middle of the field that kind of limits Again, what you could do. So Eddie Jackson's going to be my X factor in this one. See, I was torn here, and Eddie Jackson's a very great choice. I was torn by combining both Prince Mukamara and Kyle Fuller for their matchups against Odell Beckham Jr. or Roquan Smith uh, going up against the Saquon Barkley. I think I'm going to have to give to Roquan here because uh, we've seen it in the past with him having some issues with some open field tackles, missing some of those. And if that happens again this week against Barkley, who has you know ginormous legs that you better wrap up, or he's going to be the one to plow you over. It's a big week here because if you start, if our linebackers can't wrap him up and it's going to rely on some of these uh, players in the secondary to do so, that's when you have problems. When you have a Princeton Mukamara trying to go after Barkley downfield or a Kyle Fuller, um, even, a, even though I talked about Bryce Callahan perhaps being on him in, as a, uh, you know, in coverage, it's not ideal as well. So if our linebackers, Roquan Smith in particular, with his sideline-to-sideline side kind of range and speed, uh, has a hard time wrapping up Barkley, then the rest of this Bears defense is going to struggle as a result. So for me, that's why I'm going to give him uh, my X factor heading into this matchup. All right, so we reached the midway point of our show. And before we transition over to the Bears offense, we need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. And whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And as you know, all the Bears Brothers, we have the SeatGeek apps on our phone, our devices, by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop and purchase for tickets. Um, I'm personally a big fan, as you know, of how you can sort these tickets based on value. That way you know the tickets that you're looking for are the most worth it. And SeatGeek is designed uh, to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And it doesn't just end with sports. SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater, too. And before the show, I was looking, there's still plenty of tickets if you want to go to MetLife. I know uh, New York's a big city. 
Um, it's a huge metropolitan area, and there's a ton of Bears fans over there. So if you're listening and you're nearby and you're still debating going to this game, as I know, we do travel well as a fan base. Uh, there's still plenty of the tickets with amazing scores on deals. So I would encourage you to check out SeatGeek um, before this game, before, honestly, before this weekend. Uh, check soon before these amazing deals are no longer available. And the best part of all, we can save you a little bit more money, too. Our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we're previewing the Bears Week 13 matchup against the New York Giants, and we're beginning our discussion on the Bears offense. That will be without its quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, as he'll be sitting out with a shoulder injury for the second straight week. Now, obviously, Nick, um, it's a little bit, you know, disheartening when your quarterback's not going to be able to give it a go. Are you fine with the call? Are you fine with Trubisky sitting another week? Because like I mentioned, when it first happened, I said at least Detroit and New York would be the best time for this to happen this year. Um, out of all the stretches we had, this might be the best two-game stretch. But are you okay with him sitting out a week if he's not 100%? Look, I trust this Bears coaching staff and how they handled the previous injuries Allen Robinson and Cleo Mack, they sat him for two weeks, and look at them. They're playing fine now. They look like they're healthy, ready to you know end this regular season strong and postseason. So, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with the Bears sitting him. Uh, it is his throwing shoulder, his throwing arm, so you don't want to mess with that. Anything wrong, falling weird, sliding wrong, Trubisky admitted, it, admitted to that today. He needs to learn how to slide, and he definitely does because you can't keep having these reoccurring injuries. So, look, Chase Daniel – with limited amount of reps, was able to go into Ford Field on a short week and beat the Lions. Play, you know, he played well. He did. Uh, not having, like like I just said, none of the, the reps that you would normally get in a normal week. So I'm fine with Trubisky sitting because I trust his coaching staff, and they, they know where Trubisky's at right now. I think another week, and maybe they're just looking to that Sunday night game against the Rams. They're taking <laughs> it one game at a time, Nick. One game at say. a time. That's what they always say, one game at a time, but they're thinking, man, Sunday night against the Rams, we can beat them at home. That's what they're thinking, Will. <laughs> I mean, we're all thinking it, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, well, getting on to this, uh, the Giants' pass defense are in the middle of the pack in terms of yards given up per game uh, through the year, 252. But to their credit, um, they give up the 10th lowest passer rating this year, 90.4. And that's really incredible given their lack of a pass rush, which we'll talk about here a little bit later on here in the show. Um, but Chase Daniel, like you said, Nick, he played admirably against the Lions, 27-37, two touchdowns, no turnovers. And even though uh, Chase, like we mentioned, he didn't even have a practice, only walkthroughs, still played fine. So now with a week of practice under his belt, what are some areas of his game that you want to see him kind of refine a little bit that will lead to a little bit more of a success against the Giants because this Giants defense is statistically much stronger than Detroit's. So what does Chase Daniel need to do to put um, himself and this offense in a position to succeed? Yeah, I think the big thing with Chase Daniel, and like we said, he played well uh, with limited reps in a short week, but it's really capitalizing on those opportunities because there are times in that Detroit Lions game on Thanksgiving where, look, he missed he missed the wheel route to Tariq Cohen, wide open. It was schemed open. It's right there for him, misses the throw. So it's going to be things like that to where when it's almost like a gimme, you got to make it. You got to capitalize on it, especially, again, another road test for Chase Daniel, uh, another start for him. That's going to be – that's what we, we brought Chase Daniel in for, just in case Trubisky does go down. 
We need somebody that's going to make the throws, who knows the offense, who's able to make the right reads. Because in that game, there wasn't really any questionable throws by Chase Daniel. There really wasn't. There wasn't any risky ones, just actually making the throw. And it doesn't help when you don't have those practice reps. So I think that's what it's going to be, capitalizing on those opportunities when they're given. Because Matt Nagy, all season, has done a great job of scheming people open. Now it's just about Chase Daniel making the right decision, which he showed last week, just being able to capitalize on it. Exactly, because with Chase, he wasn't asked to push the ball downfield nearly as much as you see from a Trubisky, which, to our to Trubisky's credit, that is going to be an area of the game in which we are going to miss a little bit from him here for the second straight week, that ability with that deep ball to really push the envelope downfield. Um, but when he plays within a system, and even if it is that dink and dunk mentality a little bit more than maybe to our liking, at least we have playmakers along the outside that can kind of make yards after the catch, make some plays, uh, make some of those shorter throws, some longer games. And that's really going to benefit us if um, he can kind of play in the same system. But like you said, when he has those gimme throws, he needs to find a way to hit those. Because uh, if you miss too many of these throws, you know, in the NFL, you don't get too many of those chances. So you need to find a way to capitalize them once you do. But for Chase Daniel, I think that what's going to really help him, and I'm just going to kind of go into our next segment here, is that lack of a pass rush because Detroit, even though their defense, their secondary is a little bit weak, they've have a very strong pass rush. They're up there too with, uh, you know, high thirties in terms of their sacks so far in the year. Um, but the giants is a completely different story because they don't have one player in that defense that has more than two sacks on the year, only 14 as an entire unit so far this season. And our offensive line is one of the best pass blocking units, according to pro football focus. And even though I'm throwing that out there, it, they pass the eye test each and every week, despite the fact that Kyle Long's not out there. And even though maybe it's not to uh, the same degree, because Witzman is still a little bit more of a liability than, okay, a lot more of a liability than a Kyle Long. Um, but still, uh, they're able to keep quarterbacks upright for the most part. And last week, Chase Daniel was having issues with pressure in his face. He's not a taller quarterback. He's a little bit shorter, not as mobile as Trubisky, even though he can escape the pocket and run for it. Um, he's not doesn't have that same kind of pocket savviness that Trubisky brings where he can kind of dance around, make people miss. Uh, so for the Bears, what can really help Chase Daniel is going to be that lack of a pass rush bearing down on him, breathing down his neck so he can sit in the pocket, allow these routes to develop. And if that's the case, I do anticipate him being a little bit more accurate than he was perhaps last week against Detroit. But looking at these battles up front now, uh, what are some that have your attention this week? You know what? I, I was trying to, you know, find this, a tough the, question, one guy man. that, yeah, kind of glares out up there. But uh, looking at, so look on the, the scouting sheet, or not the scouting sheet, but just when you're watching film, watching this game, number 96 kind of stuck out to me a little bit. Kareem Martin, who's the outside linebacker. He sometimes lines up as an end. A guy that, you know, against the Eagles, actually made some some good plays, was able to disrupt some plays. So, again, he, he lines up a little bit uh, everywhere, according to what the Giants run there in their defense. But that's a guy that I saw was kind of disrupting some plays. They also have Lorenzo Carter, also from Georgia. He's almost like a Leonard Floyd type of build. Uh, just a little bit bigger and I think a little bit faster. So this guy's going to be primarily on the edge. He's going to come off us- utilizing speed, but he has a little bit more pop to when he gets to those tackles. So that's also another guy I'm looking at. But honestly, a guy that is going to be playing in the box, that's going to be blitzing, is Landon Collins, their safety. A fantastic safety at that. But he's a guy that the Giants really like to use everywhere. Doesn't matter what the play is. Landon Collins is going to be roaming around, doing what he does. And it might be a little different because the Bears, 
don't really have a rushing game right now. So maybe he is more in the back half of the defense as opposed to being in the in the box like I saw him against the Eagles. But that's a guy you definitely need to account for on every single play because he loves the blitz. He will take on those running backs, usually stronger than the running backs too, and just he fight until the whistle is blown. Landon Collins is giving it his all. There was one time where he came up the middle. The, the running back meets him square up. Uh, the running back falls down. He falls down too, gets back up, and almost is able to get to uh, uh, Carson Wentz on that play. But he's a guy relentless, so got to make sure you know where uh, Landon Collins is at all times. How would you want to combat that? I know he he presents our offense a multitude of challenges, but if you're Matt Nagy, how do you limit that impact? Yeah, so look, if you have Jordan Howard in there, I'm – Perfectly fine with him being that pass blocking guy uh, who's able to keep Chase Daniel upright because even though Howard is not having the season that a lot of fans are complaining about in terms of yards and production, he's still doing some really good things on the field that don't go on the stat sheet. There was a one play against Detroit where he absolutely stands up a linebacker because Jordan Howard is capable of doing that pass blocking. On the one play with Chase Daniel, I think is uh, running. Uh, to, I forget which. I think it's the left side. Jordan Howard's a lead block. It's that's what he can, that's what he can do. Or even when the the Trubisky run against uh, who was that now? A couple against Detroit the first time. <laughs> Jordan Howard, yeah, all these lines uh, plays. He's a lead block. So Jordan Howard does all these things. But in terms of Landon Collins, it's going to be that offensive line knowing, especially on stunts and things like that. And him being a smaller guy, he can kind of get through those little crevices between you know the tackle, the guard, the guard and center, whatever it may be. So it's just being really cohesive and just playing as a unit, which they have been now for a couple weeks as, you know, a complete unit. And that's all it's really going to take. And I'm confident that Harry Highstand is going to have his guys ready for whatever the Giants bring on Sunday. Good stuff there, Nick. For me, real quickly, looking at that pass rush one last time, another name I want to mention is an Oliver Vernon. He does leave the Giants in total pressures uh, generated this year at 21. And like you mentioned, Lorenzo Carter, he was someone who was in my mock draft. I had the Bears going Roquan Smith mm-hmm. and then Carter. Um, he is uh, He's impressing, uh, maybe not having some eye-popping numbers, but like you said, he plays very sound football. And I know the Giants are very happy to have him in uh, the kind of uh, potential that he possesses on that defense. Um, but regardless, no matter which way you want to splice it up, uh, one thing I've noticed about the Giants' pressures, and again, there's not a lot of it this year, but when they do generate it, if it's from the, just the straight four-man rush, it's never with the interior. It's always coming off the edge. So guys like uh, Daniels, Whitehair, and Witzman, they shouldn't have much of an issue uh, with keeping those defensive tackles in check because they have been all season long. So as long as the tackles, Bobby Massey, Charles Leno Jr., can take care of business uh, with these defensive ends or these outside linebackers, depending on which front Detroit wants to throw out there because when they go to nickel, they kind of stand these guys up. That's going to be the big key for the Bears so far. And I don't, and again, with how well this offense line has played this year, I don't expect them to struggle. Now, they might give up a pressure or two. That's going to happen each and every week. But they shouldn't by no means struggle against this uh, New York Giants front seven uh, whatsoever. All right, so Nick, in Chase Daniels' lone start, we got a heavy dose of uh, both Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen underneath with a few deep shots kind of sprinkled in with Anthony Miller and to Allen Robinson. And I'm curious in how uh, the Bears' offense is going to attack that secondary that allows the third fewest receiving touchdowns in the NFL, only 15 this year, and has only allowed one wideout to top 70 yards since week seven. So when you're looking at all the Bears' weapons, which the great thing about this offense is there's always someone else that you can kind of go to if someone else is shut down. Uh, which ones do you kind of find having some favorable matchups this week? 
Yeah, and so when I think about favorable matchups, one of my favorite one of my favorite guys all season to talk about is Trey Burton. But last week he didn't have a very good game. He has the fumble, has a drop pass, has a holding penalty. It wasn't a good game, a game that Trey Burton definitely needs to forget about. But when I was watching the film against the Giants in that Eagles game, look, Doug Peterson, again from the Andy Reid coaching tree, runs a similar, similar type of offense. But Zach Ertz had a very good day. Seven receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown. And the routes that he was running, I'm like, okay, Trey Burton can definitely run this slant route on a Landon Collins, get open in the middle of the field. And that's where I could see the Bears offense kind of exploiting that area, these slants, the middle of the field. There was one play where um, Zach Ertz actually finds the, the soft zone between the safety and linebacker and just makes one move, touchdown. It's easy. It's easy clockwork for that for that offense. And that can be very simple. A high percentage throw, easy completion. Let your playmaker do the rest. And Trey Burns, a guy that I think in this matchup can really benefit from that. And so that's why when I was watching the film, Trey Burns immediately pops up. So maybe they, another receiver doesn't get that 100 yards. But that's okay. There's somebody else because there's so many weapons in this offense. Absolutely. Trey Burton, he's on my – yeah, you bring up a lot of good points because – uh, the things you mentioned, uh, the quick slant routes underneath, um, finding the soft spot in between the linebackers and the safeties in the zone, is those are things we've seen him do all season long, and it goes all the way back to training camp, all the way back to the preseason as well. And uh, the Giants, like you mentioned, they have a hard time stopping opposing tight ends. Um, in the last three weeks, um, each tight end has gotten 78 yards receiving or more against them. So obviously, um, even though he's been a, Burton's been a little bit quiet since uh, his breakout game way back in week seven now against the Patriots. Um, I think since then he's only had one touchdown and over 40 yards once, which is um, obviously a little underwhelming. Um, we really need to kind of get him back up to speed because we need him to be the difference maker this week with the Giants' ability to shut down some wide receivers. So if his matchup's on a line in Collins or even, look, uh, linebacker Alec Ogletree, he gives up an 85% completion rate on 52 passes thrown his way so far this year and a 111 passer rating. That's a mismatch. So if the Bears can find, even if it's well, anyone on Ogletree, really, but <laughs> you're looking at Burton, you're looking at Tariq Cohen, if you get him lined up on the linebacker as well, that might be a great way uh, for the Bears to kind of exploit this defense a little bit more. Um, is there anyone else uh, through the air that you want to you have notes on that you want to talk about? What if I'm, look. I Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com guy that hasn't been here for most of the season is only here for a play is really Adam Shaheen. He, he practiced today. Maybe that's another guy, especially in the red zone where the giants have been pretty good this season is in the red zone. So you add another weapon for chase Daniel, big body target, like Adam Shaheen. Hopefully, you know, whatever happens does get a ball thrown his way. He's able to be healthy afterwards. Cause we all know about the two point conversion, but speaking of two point conversions, the giants gave up one, uh, against the Eagles, and it was on a zone read option. Well, the Bears right now, according to NFL matchup, they're the third best in terms of running the zone read option in terms of yards. They have 293 rushing yards on option plays, which is a four uh, yards per carry. And that's a play that they were able to run uh, for the Eagles. 
to get an easy two-point conversion. Maybe that's something that the Bears utilize in this game. They see that this it worked against uh, the Giants last week with the Eagles. They definitely have the players capable of running that zone read option um, in this one on Sunday. Yeah, really good stuff there. One other player that I would like to see the Bears attack is going to be corner, uh, Janoris Jenkins. Um, he's had a very rough year so far, and he's given up nearly half of the team's receiving touchdowns on the year with seven. Um, he's the most targeted player on that defense. And he's not like the Kyle Fuller good kind of most targeted player. Like He's being targeted <laughs> because he's bad. And he's given up 10 yards per catch, uh, 274 yards after the catch this year. And he has seven missed tackles, which obviously have contributed to a lot of those 274 yards after the catch. So I'm looking at either an Allen Robinson, but more specifically, probably a Taylor Gabriel against him because uh, Gabriel, he's been the most targeted bear over the last two weeks. Um, Daniel favored him a ton. Um, so with Daniel under center, I don't expect that to change unless they completely shut him out. And then I would find some other potential matchup on a Jenkins, like an Anthony Miller, like I said, or even an Allen Robinson. But that's just someone else, too, that I would like to see the Bears kind of uh, push the ball towards a little bit because he's been prone to give up some yards. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm looking on the exact opposite side of him. B.W. Webb, that name probably sounds familiar because he was at the Bears training camp. Uh, was it this year? Maybe last year as a corner. A guy that, watching the film, run a double move on him, and he's going to look silly. So I bet you in this game, Anthony Miller is going to have his opportunity to run a double move on B.W. Webb, number 23 for the Giants, and he is going to look bad. It, Alshon Jeffrey got him and we yes Alshon Jeffrey's a good receiver but I think Anthony Miller in terms of route running one of the best in the league so oh you got the training camp uh I had one the, handy I, I had one I handy it's Tariq Cohen that one. yeah I don't think it's gonna be I don't think his name's gonna be in I think it was last year where BW Webb was brought into camp and he I think he almost made it or You're something right. like that yeah it right? was last year okay it was last year so BW Webb is a guy that I'm gonna be looking for and watch that double move Anthony Miller's gonna yeah, it's not going to be a good. It's not going to be good for the Giants. Let's just say that. All right, easy enough for me. Now I pushed this one all the way down to my notes for a reason, and uh, and I'm sure you know exactly where this is going. But it's time, Nick, to kind of take a look at the Bears' rushing attack. Now it's the fast of the game that again we never know week in week out what to expect expect from. And I'm going to say the Giants' run defense it is bad. I got confirmation from that on Tuesday. I asked our guest. I was like. Is it as bad as it looks on paper because they're 26 in the NFL, allowing 125 yards per game and 4.5 yards per attempt? And I was like, is it as bad as it looks? And he says, yes, there's no question about it. Teams can run the ball on this Giants defense. And on top of that, they've allowed three straight 100-yard rushers. Now, obviously, Jordan Howard has not eclipsed that number so far this season, reached that number at that, um, and he hasn't scored a touchdown in three weeks, and he hasn't topped 80 yards since week eight against, well, the other team in New York. So, Nick, obviously this looks, I want to say completely favorable, but it looks like an area where the Bears could, if they wanted to, potentially, maybe, perhaps, <laughs> run the ball. So, obviously, we struggle with it all year. Uh, Jordan Howard, he's averaging less than 3.7 yards per carry in all but two games this year. Do you have any insight here? I know it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it, everything's set up for the Bears to run the football. They have their backup quarterback. I thought that was going to be that was going to happen on Thursday against the Lions. It didn't. They came out passing. Chase Daniel has a good game. They win despite not having a running game until a very, very last series of the game where they got to get ten yards, and they do. I don't know what to say. Look, I, I I know that Jordan Howard's not doing what he what we think he can be doing. My fantasy team is reflecting that. Because I keep starting it, but I can't. I don't know. 
We just don't know. There's a favorable match, but they're not good. Three, like you said, three 100-yard rushers consecutively. They're ranked in, what, 26th in the league in rushing yards. The Bears haven't established a run all season, though. What? Why? Why this week out of all the weeks when there's a favorable match? And why does it work? Who knows? I can. That's about the best insight I can give you. Unless they prove it, I can't give you anything on it. This is all speculation because it hasn't happened. Yep. I can't add anything else besides that, Nick. You're right. I mean, they have not proven that they can or will even attempt to um, establish a run, even though I think Jordan Howard is in the top 10 in terms of total carries this year, which is, I saw that today and I was like, no way. But it's true. It's like eighth. It was crazy. Um, but on top of that, Tariq Cohen, um, I'm not talking about him as a rusher, but coming out of the backfield as a receiver, I haven't mentioned that yet, but the Giants, uh, this is a very disheartening stat. They haven't allowed a running back to eclipse 47 re- yards receiving on them. All season. But Tariq Cohen has done that four times this year. And I think it would be a great boost to our offense if we can find a way to uh, have him contribute for around maybe 50 yards at receiver this game because um, it's something the Giants haven't been really having to adjust to. So if you can find a way to make that a mismatch, make them kind of change their identity a little bit to try to stop that, an area where they have had no issues all year, uh, that might be a way to kind of give some of these other playmakers the ball, taking some of the focus away off of them. But still, uh, the Giants do a good job of um, maybe not limiting backs on the ground, but through the air as receivers, they've done a really good job of doing that so far. But yeah, in terms of what the Bears can do, establishing the run, it's crazy that it's week 13. We have really no expectation whatsoever because it's so hit or miss. And then even in the games that they've been effective, it's been largely due to very creative runs, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of Mitchell Trubisky, on which obviously mm-hmm. we missed that a little bit too last week too, even though Daniel had a couple of nice runs. Not to the same degree as a Trubisky as well, who is, uh, what, our second leading rusher so far on the team. So, yeah, it's not I, – I don't know. I mean, I can't say it's not going to be pretty because they could end up sticking to it, and Jordan Howard could end up breaking out for 100 yards. I just don't know if it happens. Look, the run, not having a running game hasn't hurt the Bears yet. It but really it hasn't. Eventually. It will eventually. That's the thing. Um, once they face, well, that's the thing here. I was talking to my coworkers today. Uh, once they face a good defense that has, you know, a good secondary that can maybe lock down some of these receivers, some of these weapons in the passing game, then that'll hurt them because they haven't established a run. But then I asked my coworker, well, what defense has that other than the bears right now? Who are the bears going to face that actually has a legit secondary to where they're going to actually need to rely on the running game. And I came up with the bears. The bears can't play themselves. So that's not happening. So until it actually comes back to bite them, which I don't see it happening yet, they're they're okay with it. They're getting by. But watch, there's going to be a surprise team that comes up. It's able to take away their passing game. What do they do now? Matt Nagy has said that he wants to establish the run. He really does, but he's still figuring it out. So hopefully you can get it figured out soon because come playoff time, you're going to need it. You're going to need it one way or another. Run out the clock. Keep opposing offenses off the field. That really helps. But if the Bears can't, they haven't established it yet. Just don't know when it's going to happen. Well, it's like me right now. I want some ice cream, but it's cold out. And I'm not going to drive all the way to the store to go get the ice cream. So if it's, it's a little bit difficult. And right now for the Bears, it has been difficult to establish this run. So even though he says he wants to, it might not be what's best for this offense because it's going to limit uh, those other plays through the year with some ineffective runs. But one point or another this year, we're going to really need to rely on it. And it's going to be a big test for that offense to step up to the challenge or not once that situation kind of presents itself. 
right, one last thing here before we kind of get to uh, the final uh, segments here about the Bears' offense. I want to kind of touch on that red zone a little bit because you talked about, um, you kind of hinted towards this. Um, the Giants have done a great job in this area all season long because they're a defense that's been, they've been suffering on third down all year long. But once they get to the red zone, they're really good. They're the seventh best red zone defense, allowing touchdowns on only 51.5%. And it's a big reason why they're in a lot of games this year because they're forcing teams to settle for field goals and not being able to put up touchdowns once they reach the red area of the field. Now, under Chase Daniel, the Bears were able to score touchdowns on all of their red zone trips against Detroit last week, which, of course, is a positive. Um, and I, but I do see this as an area game where if, say, the Bears can succeed in the red zone at about a 75% clip because the Giants give up uh, the fifth most red zone trips um, per game. And so, like I said, this defense typically can bend. If the Bears can score touchdowns, say they can reach the red zone four times and score touchdowns on three of those trips and they put up 21 points, that's going to be huge because the Giants really can't keep up in a shootout mentality, a shootout game. So that's great. But if they struggle in a red zone, which a lot of defense offenses have against that New York Giants defense and settle for field goals or field goal attempts with Cody Parkey, nothing's a gimme with him. That's how the Giants can kind of stick around here, and we don't want that to happen. We don't want a, a bad team to stick around with us on the road with a backup quarterback. That's the last thing that we want to happen. So, Nick, what are some of your keys to success once the Bears do find the red, red zone? Well, look at the play calling last week in the red zone. People were open. You look at the Taquan Mazel uh, touchdown pass. It was a brilliant just pick play by Allen Robinson. He's, he's, he's going for the hitch. That's all he's doing, going for a hit route. He's not trying to block any defender. Why no. would he do that? And look, the Bears have been actually called on that. It was at the Miami game that we were at where Trey Burton gets called for it. But it's like those kind of creative play calling where you just get guys completely wide open. That's what you want to see in terms of red zone play calling. Just easy, high percentage throws where there's little, you know, lack of risk. Because look, you obviously touchdown is going to be getting a touchdown is the ultimate goal, but you still want to put up points. And Cody Parkey has been hitting those field goals, which is great to see, encouraging to see. So I think that's what you we need more of Matt Nagy to do, and he's done it all season. Have that, you know, that play calling that gives your offense an advantage any way that you can, even if it is just by putting a little pick here or there. That yeah. that that'll definitely help. Absolutely. I think Nagy usually has um, a really strong creative strategy once we reach the red zones. The reason why we're a very efficient offense once we do reach that area of the field, I mean, it's just all going to come down to execution. And this is a defense, though, that has given other offenses fits. So uh, for Nagy to be one step ahead and for the players to execute on these play calls, it's really what it's all going to come down to uh, this week against the Giants. Is there anything else, though, either Bears offense, Giant defense that you want to mention that we haven't yet? Yeah, just a couple quick stats uh, so we don't make this uh, too long. For the Giants' uh, stats, uh, third and long defense, all according to NFL matchup. They're third and long defense. They're fifth worst in the league with a 31.9% of the time, giving up a third and seven plus. So uh, even though the Bears may be at a disadvantage on third down and long, the, the Giants have not been able to get off the field. They've given up the fifth most explosive plays this season with 63, and their three and out percentage. The Giants are fifth worst at getting an offense to go three and out with only 25.8%. So those are all favorable things for the Bears, and we know what they can do on offense. Creative play calling will definitely help them, uh, you know, exploit these statistics that I just mentioned. All right, good stuff there. And now it's time to find out who has the edge here for the Bears offense against 
the Giants defense. And Nick, you're going to be up first with the Bears pass protection versus that Giants pass rush. Oh, I got to go with the Bears pass protection. There's nobody on this Giants, uh, you know, defense that really ultimately scares me. I mean, honestly, you bring in Landon Collins of blitz. That's that's a, the one thing that I'm, you know, the Bears just need to be aware of. Uh, we, we mentioned Lorenzo Carter, guys like that. I'm going to have to give it to the Bears. What about the flip side? The Bears passing attack versus that secondary. You know what? Even with Chase Daniel, I like what the Bears are able to do. And I'm just, it, it all goes to Matt Nagy and what he's able to call, how he's able to get people open, because there are going to be people wide open. No matter what, there's been people wide open every single game. And it's just about Chase Daniel making the throws. He has a, you know, full weeks of practice ahead of him. And he's, you know, beginning that chemistry. I'm going to give it to Chase Daniel. I think the week is almost behind him now at Thursday, but I know True. what you meant. <laughs> now, I have the tough one. The Bears ground game versus the Giants run defense. Giants run defense is bad. It's very, very bad. But so is the Bears rushing attack. It's not really that good. Um, when you take out Trubisky out of the equation, like I, I think I told, uh, mentioned this stat a few weeks ago, and I'm sure it's still true, but when you take Trubisky out of the equation, the Bears' run offense drops like all the way down to like the mid-20s. So it's, 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 it's tough. It really is. I'm going to give um, the Bears the edge here talent-wise. I know they have it. Scheme-wise, I'm unsure. Execution-wise, I'm very much up in the air. I, I think mano y mano, if the Bears really did want to establish a run, they could. I really do. I really think with Jordan Howard against this Giants run defense has given up three 100-yard rushers in a row, one to Tampa Bay and the other one to the 49ers, for crying out loud. The Bears should be able to do the same really without much issue. Depends if they can, if they want to do it or not. I really don't want to see Chase Daniel have to throw the ball about 40 times again. I don't think that's the kind of game flow that we want this week, um, especially on the road against you know a bad team. We don't want to give that secondary more chances uh, to make plays. Just keep the ball on the ground. Keep things simple and everything else should fall into place. But I'll give the Bears the edge here, even though I don't have a lot of reasons why. Yeah. All right, X-Factor time. Who you got? It's either between, for me, uh, Trey Burton, and I already talked about all the things that he's going to be able to do in this one based off of what Zach Ertz was going to be able to do and just how they they scheme things uh, on the Giants' defense. But honestly, it's going to be Chase Daniel. Depending on how he plays is going to be whether or not this Bears offense is able to run where it needs to run, be able to put up enough points, enough points to where the Giants just cannot keep up or just are incapable of getting to that point. But really, it falls on Chase Daniel. And it always probably will when you have a backup quarterback in. It's so crucial to see how they play. And look, the Bears benefited from a, you know, a good performance from Chase Daniel in that first one at Thanksgiving. Let's see if he can if he can play if he can replicate that performance in this game. The Bears will win, no doubt. But let's see what happens. I know he's got more you know more practice, but I think he almost exceeded like expectations in a way because we didn't expect that on a short week to come out against on the road against a division rival for him to play the way he did, but he did. So let's see what Chase Daniel can do now with more practice time, more chemistry with his receivers, being part of the game plan the entire way. I think Chase Daniel's the X factor in this one. I guess the, and I I know Brandon would love to be here for this devil's advocate moment, though, would be 
he does have an extra now a week of film on him and how the Bears were running their offense with him on film. So how Nagy adjusts, how Chase Daniels able to um, adjust as well this week and not just bring kind of like the same game plan that they did against the Lions is going to be huge as well. Um, but I had two players listed. Uh, my two players were Trey Burton and uh, Chase Daniel. I don't know if they sound familiar to you or not, Nick, but they do uh, to nope. me. I'll go ahead and give it to Trey Burton because he was number one on my list um, for the reasons that we mentioned in terms of how he can kind of have a big role this week against this Giants defense that has tended to give up a lot of yards to tight ends. Um, but I just believe that if he struggles and they find a way to shut down our wide receivers on the outside, this Bears offense is going to have a hard time really getting anything going. And I say that maybe to the to the degree we're used to. Maybe they won't be shut out, but they will have a – They'll be hindered a little bit compared to what we're used to seeing week in, week out. So if Trey Burton struggles, I anticipate that to kind of trickle down throughout the rest of the offense. But if he can really step up and be someone who Chase Daniel can rely on, he'll be an X factor that can really take this Bears offense uh, into one that can succeed. And on top of that, in the red zone, uh, he's been a red zone uh, threat as well all year, and we need to score some points when we get down there. So for me, I'll give it to Trey Burton. I'll even throw an Adam Shaheen too if he's healthy and playing him down there in the red zone, a big body target. Just stay healthy, Adam, and hopefully things will be okay with you. But, um, yeah, Trey Burton's going to be my X factor. All right, Nick, real quick, special teams. I have a couple of notes. Uh, the Giants return specialist, uh, Quadri Henderson, he was put on IR this week, so you're going to have someone else uh, doing that, uh, returning punts. We'll see exactly how that shakes out. And then, of course, Tariq Cohen, he does lead the NFL in punt return yards. Um, and the Giants are middle of the road here. They give about seven yards uh, per attempt, per punt return. So, this might be another week where Tariq Cohen can kind of still switch the field position with uh, the punt return, especially if the Bears can kind of force the Giants to quick three and out. And Cohen can f- follow that up with a nice punt return, flip the field, give Chase Daniel shorter fields to work with. That would be really pivotal in this game. Um, but what about you? Anything on special teams? You know, just talking uh, you know, about special teams, returns, Giants, Devin Hester, that, you know, the field goal that was short, just brought up those memories. Who knows? Probably won't happen, but that'd be great to see. Again, I was watching the film, and I was actually uh, watching the the All-22, just seeing how they, they do their punt returns, the Bears. I just don't see why you don't put two people on the gutters. I'm going to say it until they do it, because I feel like they have so much more success when they do. And I'm I maybe I'll, that can be a new article idea, just to see the in terms of the yardage gain when they do have two people on the gunners as opposed to one. Because, look, those guys are just flying down there. You usually have your... You're starting corners out there. You know, one guy, if you have another guy there, it's the, the gunner tries to go inside, jam him, tries to go outside to get jammed on that side. As a gunner, it's it's a tough life to live, but I feel like they'd have more success, more return yards if they just do that. But who knows? I don't coach. No, you do not. <laughs> but that would be a really interesting, uh, you know, insightful kind of look into it if you really want to do that. Just saying. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. All right, so let's go ahead and just jump right into the final portion of this week's preview and hand out some predictions for the game. And, Nick, I need to know, do you have a bold prediction for me? I do, and it it was going to be with Akeem Hicks, I, but I just don't know uh, where he's going to be. So, still, that right side of the line, that's where we're going to focus this bold prediction on, is going to give up. So the Bears are, one, going to get seven sacks in this game, and – Five of them are going to come on that side of the line. You know what? Actually, let's make it nine sacks. Remember the last <laughs> time uh, the Bears and Giants played? I think it was in New York. Uh, Jay Cutler got sacked nine times, I believe. The Bears are going to replicate that. Seven of those sacks are going to come on that right side and two, wherever they come from. 
I like that. I like that a lot. That's bold, and uh, that would really help our case for uh, leading the NFL in sacks yet again. So I like that one a lot. Uh, For me, I'm going to go on offense. I have Chase Daniel, four touchdown passes. Uh, The Giants have only given up 15 this year, which uh, is less than two per game, uh, if you want to do the math real quick. So for me, I think four touchdown passes from a backup quarterback um, is definitely bold enough. So for me, Chase Daniel, four touchdown passes. Uh, sets and that would remain his career high um, in terms of TD tosses. So for me, that's going to be my bold prediction this week. We'll see how that kind of turns out. I've usually done pretty good with these uh, passing touchdowns in terms of Trubisky. Uh, I was pretty hot earlier this year, so let's see if the same can kind of happen with Chase. I want to kind of give him some of that good luck. You know, Will, before you move on, we have a a, a good comment in in the chat here from Shadow458230. He said the bold prediction is this is the last game Peyton Manning will be a starter. Well, remember the beginning of the— Eli. Eli, sorry, not Peyton. Well, he's uh, doing what he does now, Eli Manning. But remember the beginning of the season where Bears, uh, the Bears' defense were just knocking out quarterbacks left and right. Maybe that's one that does come, uh, you know, play because Eli is in, you know, tough waters in there in New York. So maybe that that's a good one, Shadow. Uh, I like that bold prediction. Yeah, no, I like that one, too. Thanks for bringing that up out of the chat. And I love that uh, just how involved our chat has become and how close that group is uh, kind of becoming as one. So that's just keep it coming, guys. Keep it coming. Uh, so moving on, uh, MVB, who do you have? Whew. MVB. Well, if, if we're getting nine sacks, uh, I think a large part of that is going to be not Cleo Mack because he'll most likely be on the other side. It's going to be Leonard Floyd. This is the time breakout. I think he has the speed, the technique to be able to really benefit from having some lesser competition on that side of the line. I think Leonard Floyd is going to be a guy that just wreaks havoc. I don't even think I mentioned him up until this moment in the podcast, but he's going to be the MVB for this game because he's going to wreak havoc. There we go. I'm going to give mine to uh, Chase Daniel. Uh, I think last week we all at one point were going to give it to him before Eddie Jackson kind of stole the show at the end of the game. Uh, So for me, uh, Daniel, he's going to play within the system, play efficient football, not turn the ball over, and of course just move this offense and find ways to get points up on the board, really make us, he's going to find plays and there are going to be plays where you're going to really wish true was out there because that's just going to happen, but he's going to play just well enough to win. If not, maybe just a little bit better than that. And if he does that, he'll end up being my MVP for uh, stepping in for two straight weeks, making sure that the ship still stays on course heading into a big week 14 against the Rams. So for me, uh, let's go ahead and give it to chase Daniel as well. All right, so time to predict the final score. Uh, the standings, I'm still in the bottom here, 8-3. and three. Uh, Nick, you and Brandon, you're at 9-2, leading the way. Now, my question to you is, I don't know if you remember the rule from last year, but no one has missed preview shows so far this year besides Brandon this one time. He didn't give us a prediction, and in the past, Ooh. we made the predictions for said person who was absent. <laughs> Do we continue that tradition? Giants. Brandon picks the Giants. <laughs> What's the score? Brian, uh, it's going to be, I think Brandon would predict kind of low scoring, I would assume. So maybe like a 20, 20 Bears and the Giants scored like nine. Okay. Maybe. But, 20 you, to nine. but you said Giants. So you mean Giants 20, Bears nine? That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Man, I don't yeah. know what Brandon was thinking with that bogus kind of prediction here. So Brandon, <laughs> uh, watch out. I'll be Nick, you just went first place by yourself. I figured it out now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, man, I should just, yeah, no, the Giants, yeah, 
I'm going to get sole possession first after this week. All right, so you have Brandon. Uh, You spoke on Brandon's behalf without any of his knowledge right now, uh, giving him the Giants, which is an egregious pick, Brandon. So if you're listening to this uh, tomorrow at work, uh, shame on you. But, Nick, how about you? Who's going to be your prediction? Yeah, so I'm actually going to go Bears 24, Giants 12. All field goals for the Giants. They cannot get in the end zone. So Bears are going to win this one. I like that a lot. I like the score. I like the field goals. I like the Bears kind of stiffening up and, of course, not allowing uh, the Giants with uh, Beckham Jr. Barkley to score any touchdowns. That's huge. It's very similar to my final score. I had the Bears 24, Giants 14, though. Two touchdowns, no field goals. Uh, So totally different way the game shapes out. Very similar scores. But I think uh, 24 is just a little bit more than what the Giants give up on average. And I think that's fair for this Bears offense with Chase Daniel. And I think uh, the Bears defense should be – Doing what they have done with a weak rest, um, they'll be totally fine. And the Giants offense uh, hasn't been you know, wowing anybody this year. They do average more than 20 points per game. Um, but regardless, I don't think the Bears are going to allow them to kind of reach that mark this week. All right, last but not least, Nick, we need to kind of hand out our confidence meter and our final thought. So go right ahead. You know, it's weird because I've been more confident in other games for some reason. Right now, I'm going to give it an, an eight. Which is strange because I've given like the other games previous, it's like eight and a half, nine. I just knew the Bears were going to win. I just have this strange feeling. The Bears are going to win, but it, I don't think it's going to be as definitive as like I, I think it's going to be. So it's it's an eight right now. The Bears will win. I just don't know why I'm not feeling as confident at this point in time. Strange. It's very strange. It is. I mean, I understand it. You gave them the 12, which would mean they would have four scoring drives. And I think they had four in the first half against the Eagles. So it's not like they can't do it. Now, of course, for the Bears in your scenario, uh, forcing them to field goals would make us feel a little bit more at ease. But if they do get down there in the field, the Bears defense has not been great in the red zone this year. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a it's not a scary situation. But I can understand your point there. Um, and, you know, we we've kind of labeled a few games so far this year as trap games, but they haven't really came to fruition. And I can, you can see why this one would be called one with the Rams ahead. And, but I do believe that this team does take that week by week mentality. really wants to prove it week in week out. Uh, So for me, I'm confident I'm giving this a nine because the giants are simply, they're a team that does not know how to win the close ones. I mean, they've lost uh, countless games so far. I think the number is like seven or eight games by one score or less. So, uh, it's a lot like us in the years past, uh, always being on the wrong side of close games, always finding ways to beat yourself. And I think that's also a message we had on Tuesday with my uh, with our guest on the show that this defense and this entire team uh, with, you know, hurtful penalties, uh, poor execution, uh, they find ways to lose games and they have a hard time finding ways to close out and actually end up winning some of these uh, games down the stretch. So for me. I think the Bears have proven they are a team that can win these games. They can win close games. They can win. I think Nagy talked about it earlier this week. They've proven they can win different types of games, which sure. shows exactly uh, how well-rounded this team is. So for me, uh, the Bears are a team that has now learned how to win, where the Giants are a team that um, has a losing culture. Um, I hate to say that, but it seems like it, and one that they don't know how to win yet. So the Bears shouldn't have much issues. So for me, my confidence is a nine. Anything else, Nick, before we head off? Any just final words of wisdom heading into the weekend? Not really. Um, I mean, look, this is obviously the game before the game. I'm I'm going to say it. I know uh, coaches have talked about it, but everyone's kind of really looking forward to next Sunday night. Bears, Rams. But it, look, the Bears can't overlook it because they can be 9-3 and three after this weekend. 9-3. and three. Incredible. Man, 
that it would be such a turnaround for the Bears organization from just just last year to right now. So the Bears just need to take care of business, and then we can start previewing, start getting amped up for Bears-Rams. But hopefully the Bears just take care of business uh, this week against the New York Giants. Absolutely. That's kind of where the fan kind of aspect of how we kind of take this show and this approach and who we are kind of takes over a little bit because as when you look at the team, you just pray like, please don't overlook the Giants because we know how that can just, that never equals any success in the NFL when you do that. But as fans, when you're looking at the schedule and you're looking at how the rest of the year is shaping out and we're talking about the P word finally, postseason playoffs, and we can actually genuinely get excited about that. It's really hard not to look at this game as like a really good benchmark of how the Bears kind of stand in the NFC. They played the Patriots really well and just a play or two away from winning that one. This one's at home as well. I anticipate really good things. And again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but I think a lot of people are confident that the Bears can, if they don't win, prove on a national stage why they are officially relevant and they could become a team in the playoffs to worry about. And I really believe they can be as well. So for me, as excited as we are uh, to kind of get this week behind us, let's take a breath. Let's focus on this one. And then next week, let's have some fun and talk about uh, Bears and Rams for a big time NFC playoff picture kind of game. So can't wait for that. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode, Bears fans. And I really hope that you found this week's game preview to be uh, both you know entertaining and as insightful um, like we do each and every week. And I want to thank each and every one of you for uh, tuning into this show, no matter where you are, how you listen. We say week in, week out, but it's you know it's truer each and every week, actually. Uh, we just appreciate uh, your continued support of our podcast. And of course, uh, not just uh, this team, not just our show, but just the whole community that we have kind of surrounding us as well. Now, up next, Will Ingles is going to go through his weekly five matchups to watch. And I'll follow that up like I usually do with my weekly three keys to the game. But until then... Go enjoy some Thursday night football. And if you're listening here on Friday, hopefully you watched the game and enjoyed it too. And of course, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.